millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi there and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast and today I'm going to look at the relationship between Hitler's Gauleiters, his regional leaders and the local areas, uh, the regions of Germany that they uh, managed, that they governed. The the Gauleiters and the district and local party leaders uh, who were uh, appointed or who seized power in January 1933, were um, there were much overlooked set of um, political appointees. There were much overlooked um, set of strata of Nazi administration, uh, and they need to be kind of examined in in more depth than maybe uh, a lot of the time in schools and colleges um, they they do. They are uh, examined. So who were they? Well, these the Gauleiter had been uh, regional party leaders during the uh, 1920s and 30s. These were the guys who uh, organised party activity uh, across Germany, and they saw themselves as the the future uh, regional and local government, the, the future regional and local leaders um, once uh, elected governments, electoral governments across Germany have been swept away. Of course, Germany has a, a federal structure um, which is largely uh, the result of Germany's history of unification in the 19th century, um, the history of the German Confederation, which became the German, North German Confederation in 1866, this coalition of states dominated firstly by Prussia and Austria and then exclusively by Prussia. Um, after uh, the uh, victory over France in 1870 and the subsequent creation of the German Empire in 1871, many of the states and the um, uh, nations that comprised the new German Empire retained their individual autonomy and the only way to get 
places like Bavaria or Hanover on board was to give them a, a federal system, uh, much as uh, America uh, would, would, uh, did operate. So the elected uh, assemblies that existed from 1918 onwards uh, were seen, obviously, by the Nazis as an anathema, something profoundly anti-German, and that real leadership along the lines of the Führer principle, the Führer principle, needed to be uh, instituted not just at national level with Hitler, but at uh, regional and local level. There were indeed to be little Hitlers um, across Germany who would be empowered to act in much the same way, to be local magnates, uh, feudal lords, or uh, miniature uh, miniature incarnations of Hitler himself. Noakes and Pridham write, It was at regional and local level that tension between party and state was most acute because it was there that the main power of the party organisation lay. The Gauleiters and district and local party leaders were determined to hang on to the authority which they had won for themselves in the first months of 1933, and which they believed was theirs by right of conquest and by virtue of their Führer's role as head of state. On coming to power, the new regime was faced with the problem of Germany's unsatisfactory federal structure, bequeathed by Bismarck, which contained states which were grossly disproportionate in size and importance. Thus, at one extreme was the state of Prussia, with three-fifths of the area of the Reich and half its population. The Prussian civil service was many times that, the size of that of the Reich, and the Prussian state government in Berlin had always been more or less a rival to that of the Reich. At the other extreme was the, the, the state of schaumburg lippe uh, which was about the size of an English rural district council. Proposals for federal reform had been discussed during the Weimar period, but had been overtaken by the crisis of 1930-33. The deposition of the Prussian government uh, on the 20th of July 1932 and the installation of a Reich commissioner in its place had prepared the way for major challenges, and the first two years of the new regime saw a great preoccupation with the issue of Reich's reform. So as we know, Hitler comes to power at the end of January 1933, or at least we can say he's appointed Chancellor then, and his next real assault on the institutions of um, Weimar democracy begins in March. At the end of February, he's able to use the crisis of the Reichstag fire to uh, arrest the communists and uh, the March elections present him with an opportunity to try to win an overall majority, which actually he never quite does. Win the majority of the votes, but not an an overall uh, majority. The um, Nazi seizure of power in March continues with the uh, takeover of state governments um, across Germany and the coordination of state parliaments. And this was generally organised by the local Nazi party in the area and would be done in association with um, the Reich Ministry of the Interior in Berlin. And the ministry was really attempting to end Germany's federal structure. 
uh, a, a federal system has obviously a central government which uh, concerns itself with economic, foreign and defence policies, you know, the, the big stuff, and then the uh, running of the state in every other way is devolved. In this way, um, instead of uh, bringing about a, a constitutional crisis just at the moment when Hitler's trying to establish himself, the interior ministry and the local Nazi parties managed to secure control over the state legislatures, often uh, proroguing them or rendering them completely ineffective. And this meant that essentially the, the federal system of Germany was uh, completely eliminated without having to go to the unnecessary risk of actually officially uh, eliminating it in March 1933. On the 7th of April, the second law for the coordination of the federal states under the Reich uh, was passed, and this created the role of Reich governor, or Reichsstalter, and there were ten of which one is Hitler, and he is the Reichsstalter for Prussia. And their role was to supervise the observance of general policy laid down by the Reich Chancellor and by the state governments. So it was a way of introducing uh, a tier of dictatorial government below Hitler to make sure that regional governments did specifically what the Nazis demanded. And even though all uh, tiers of government rapidly become Nazified, the uh, Reich governors became an antagonistic figure with the um, regional state governments. And there was a kind of a, a tension, an ongoing endemic conflict that existed between Gauleiters and Reich governors um, and this was not to do with conflict over actual policy, but it was to do with um, bound power uh, boundaries, uh, decision-making, and who ultimately was uh, looking good in the eyes of the Fuhrer. Now, all this sounds remarkably formalised, and the, the problem with uh, this is that actual, uh, actually informality is a key feature of the Third Reich. Um, whilst there is a, a formalised structure, the injection of informality into what I've just told you actually um, makes it uh, less able to function. People can ignore their superiors from time to time if they can speak directly to the Fuhrer. Sometimes local administrators would write to Hitler with their complaints and moans, and if they were very lucky, he might possibly read the letter and give some sort of uh, generalised response of, kind of, why don't you sort it out yourselves? Uh, a real leader wouldn't be asking me, they would just be, just be doing things. And it was a kind of an encouragement for people to... Uh, act on impulse or to um, carry on their, their power struggles. So this informality uh, that could undermine the system at any time, it downgraded, it watered down the power and significance of ministerial decisions and uh, certainly of Reich governor decisions. Uh, these could be uh, countermanded, ignored, 
um, bypassed and subverted. And it meant that if people at a lower tier of government looking upwards saw that the uh, decisions made by Reich ministers and Reich governors were um, possibly non-enforceable, then by the time they actually do reach a lower level, they become um, less enforceable uh, even more so. It doesn't mean to say things didn't get done, that people, uh, lower level bureaucrats, received orders and they didn't do them. It's just that they may not have done them to the letter. There may have been wide variances in interpretation in what they should do, and um, it opened up the possibility for lower-level um, uh, bureaucratic managers to say, you know, we're going to ignore what the minister has to say. We'll be doing it in our way here, which will be slightly different. And that could mean the policy was indeed slightly more extreme. Um, and certainly when it comes to racial policy, um, there is the possibility for uh, radicalization throughout the regime. As I mentioned earlier, the whole system was designed to curb state power and to incre increase power at federal level, at that Reich level. And this were, had been a long-standing ambition of the Ministry of the Interior. In January 1934, the law for the reconstruction of the Reich was passed. Um, this basically abolishes the federal system. And the state governments, they remain in existence, but they have no power uh, any further. Whilst it managed to remove from the states uh, any kind of independent decision-making, the federal structure, the reform of the federal structure, ended there. This is a, a, a classic bit of um, Nazi policy-making. It was decided by Hitler... Um, that the administrative upheaval would interfere with his um, plans to try to revitalize the economy. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And also to try to um, quickly rearm and that having um, a structure to government was uh, at um, local and federal level was, was still uh, important, local and state level, I beg your pardon, was, was still important. And so what you tend to have in um, the Nazi uh, regime, and you get this in lots of governments, particularly in the Nazi regime, is all sorts of contradictory policy impulses. And this is because uh, Hitler allowed this polycratic regime to emerge with lots of different centres of power, lots of different government ministries with competing ambitions and interests and um, very little central direction from him. As we've discussed many, many times before, he's this indolent dictator who spends a lot of time um, at Berkeley's garden, uh, enjoying his life, spending little time in active bureaucratic management. He does not want to look at paperwork. He shoes it away. He believes that charismatic leadership will carry the day and that um, he simply needs to allow matters to sort themselves out. Well, this is the problem here, is when you have... The Interior Ministry wanting to abolish the states and to um, centralise state power, but little idea as to what will be done with that state power, how, for example, uh, arms factories will be built or how roads and autobahns will be built um, without local authorities and uh, state authorities there to uh, um, manage the entire project. Hitler winds up pulling the plug on the law for the reconstruction of the Reich kind of halfway through. And the result in governmental terms is kind of the worst of both worlds. It is a centralisation of power without a centralisation of knowledge, expertise or um, bureaucratic management. The law also allowed for a merger of institutions in Prussia and the Reich, which, as we said previously in Berlin, had overlapped and presented themselves almost to, as kind of rival governments to one another. Um, the Russian Ministry, uh, the Prussian Ministry of the Interior, and the Reich Ministry of the Interior emerged, and Goering was promoted to Minister President of Prussia. And this meant that the plans for abolishing Prussia itself uh, were shelved. Now, of course, the Reich governors themselves were superfluous after simply uh, being in post for uh, about, eight, about a year. Um, the minister-presidents of the states were subordinate directly to the uh, Reich or Prussian ministries of the interior, as there was no need to have a local henchman like the Reich governors there hovering over their shoulders. It was, however, uh, unfortunate that the Reich governor itself, the position wasn't uh, abolished. 
and instead the Raj governors remain in position and their uh, entire purpose in life really is to simply battle for uh, power and influence with whatever power structures were still there, particularly in Prussia uh, with the, the minister-president. The, the law subordinates the Reich governors to the Reich minister of the interior, and this is something that they were not prepared to accept. The Reich governor of Brunswick and Anhalt, William Loper, wrote to the state secretary um, Lammers, uh, Hitler's kind of gatekeeper, and this is in um, Nazism, 1919-45, Volume 2, State Economy and Society, uh, Noakes and Pridham, page 57. He says, I'm taking the liberty below of asking, for you, uh, asking you for your opinion on the following matter. The position of Reich governors seems to me unclear at the moment, whereas on one hand the Reich governor has been appointed by the Reich president and sworn in by him personally, and whereas, as regards salary, he is also on the same level as the Reich ministers. On the other hand, he's subject to instructions from the Reich Ministry of the Interior. With this new law, it's now not quite clear whether the Reich governor has retained his old position or whether he's become an, an authority subordinate to the Reich Ministry of the Interior. Owing to this lack of clarity... There is uncertainty about the actions of the Reich governor. One is often in the position of not knowing whether one is allowed to act independently in accordance with the policy of the Führer, or whether one is merely an executive organ of the Reich Ministry of the Interior. If the old position of the Reich governor is to be retained, the subordination to the instructions of the Reich Ministry of the Interior must be of a purely general character, and this fact should manifest in externals as well. Just as one Reich Ministry cannot give orders to and make requests of another, but must invite it to do something, the same practice should be observed towards the Reich Governor. But in fact, the practice has developed of the Reich Governor himself, receiving requests signed by some ministeriat um, and certified by some chancellery secretary. I do like clarity in all things. It is in such external matters that one's position is defined for officialdom and for the public. I can very well imagine that the professional bureaucracy is happy to make use of the opportunity of reducing the position of the Reich governor below that intended by the Führer. But I also recall the words of the Führer during a conference of Reich governors when he declared, You are the first Reich governors, and what you make of this position will determine what it will be in the future. This comment by the Fuhrer gives me the right to make this inquiry. So this is fascinating stuff. Here you have a Reich governor writing to the Reich Chancellery, saying, Can you clarify what in earth is going on? Is it the case that we have been gifted power by the Fuhrer, or is it not? Is it the case that simply now I um, have to answer to some uh, bureaucrats somewhere, ministerial at, um, and uh, certified by some chancellery secretary? Uh, he's essentially saying, well, who on earth are these people to be writing to me telling me what to do? And it, clearly his um, power and status was under considerable threat here.
At one point, the Fuhrer had given him a broad freedom to operate, and now this had been um, had been prorogued. The 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 fact that this letter exists it really sheds a light onto the in, internal chaos that um, happened within uh, the Third Reich, and the fact that there was little forward planning or um, foresight as to what might uh, occur uh, given uh, particular policy changes and that um, there would be now large numbers of people speaking at cross-purposes to one another unclear as to what was going on and what was intended. Interior Minister Wilhelm Frick wrote to the Reich Chancellery on the 4th of June 1934. He said, If we just stick to the idea of a central and unified leadership of the Reich, through the Reich Chancellor and the departmental ministers assisting him, who corporately together with the Reich Chancellor form the Reich government, then it is impossible to leave differences of opinion between a departmental minister on the one hand and a governor on the other to be decided by the Reich Chancellor. On the contrary, the decision of the Reich Minister, who represents the Reich government, in his area of responsibility must be accepted by the Reich Governor without allowing him to form a legal uh, redress against the decision of the Reich Minister in the field of legislation. So Frick was basically saying um, it would be a nonsense for myself to impose upon uh, a Reich Governor uh, a particular judgment, I tell them what to do, and for them to basically have redress, to be able to basically go above my head to the Fuhrer to wind up countermanding that. And so letters to the Reich Chancellery, which is really a, a letter effectively to Hitler, though Hitler will never read it, Frick was saying at roughly that time, we shouldn't have this. And the fact, again, that Wilhelm Frick, the Reich Interior Minister, is having to write this letter is because the process is unclear. No one knows precisely who should be writing to who and who should be um, having the final decision on jurisdictions and authority. And again, this tells you something about Hitler's government. The informality of it is creating uncertainty and chaos at nearly every single level. Lammers had previously written to Frick in February 1934. So obviously the June 1934 letter isn't the first one that Frick has written on this subject. Uh, Lammers says, The Reich Chancellor agrees that, generally speaking, differences of opinion between a departmental minister and a Reich governor on the legality or expediency of a state law cannot be left to his decision. In the Chancellor's view, an exception must be made for those cases which are concerned with questions of special political importance. In the view of the Reich Chancellor, such a regulation is consistent with his position of leadership. So only tell me the important stuff. It's not down to me to get in the way of every petty dispute um, that comes up. Things that are of special political importance, I'll make the decisions on that. But everything else, go away, leave me alone. So state authorities, largely stripped of their power, had no... um, strength uh, against the um, Reich governors who were now coordinated by the Ministry of the Interior but they did have expertise so if you did need anything doing you you still kind of had to go through them you could tell them what to do 
but they had um, local knowledge and also a vast administrative knowledge. And that gave them a, a sufficient amount of, uh, of power, informal power, to still, to some extent, cause some of the shots. And it meant that the um, local uh, and state government could maintain a degree of autonomy and it enabled states to retain uh, some degree of power throughout the Nazi era, at least up until uh, the early stages of the war. Okay, so I'm going to finish that there. That brings us up to time quite nicely. And um, I hope you found that useful. Certainly, if you're doing something on Nazi Germany, it's important to look at things at this level. It's very um, tempting to simply focus on racial policy and uh, the concentration camps and that kind of thing. But when you look at the kind of the workings of the Nazi state and the way in which decisions are made, it helps to make sense of uh, all sorts of things from the Autobahns to the KDF to the building of places like Dachau. Anyway, I'll catch you on the next podcast. Uh, Please pop by our Facebook page and say hi. And uh, if you can, give us a a thumbs up on our um, iTunes page. And uh, all the best, and I'll catch you soon. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.